Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Monday, January 29th. I'm Jonathan All. Electric school buses are arriving in districts across the Midwest. A federal program is sending the pricey machines to rural and low-income districts. You can't spend four times, three and a half times what you would for a regular bus. St. Louis Public Radio's Kate Grumke talks with early adopting school districts. That's coming up on The Gateway. A new economic impact study released this morning underscores how St. Louis's Lambert International Airport is a cornerstone of the local economy. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmid reports the airport helps drive 5.5% of the region's overall gross domestic product. The study finds the airport supports more than 100,000 jobs and drives $27.5 billion of economic activity. Rhonda Homnebrigi is Lambert's director. When you see that in writing, it makes you realize just how far the team has come and the work that everybody has done to get us to a state where we've grown back our passenger traffic, we've grown back our revenues. Hamnabrigi says Lambert faced significant challenges when it lost its TWA hub and connecting traffic plummeted. She says that's begun to turn around with Southwest Airlines, routing more connecting flights through St. Louis. Hamnabrigi says the study helps justify the airport's plan for terminal consolidation. I'm Eric Schmidt, St. Louis Public Radio. An attorney with the American Civil Liberties Union says the state's child welfare agency has fallen short of required benchmarks for hiring investigators. Lawyer Heidi Dahlenberg oversees compliance of a federal court order for the Department of Children and Family Services. Dahlenberg says reports of some investigators having caseloads as high as 70 is concerning and putting children at risk. I can't imagine how terrifying it would be If you're a responsible investigator, to have that kind of work burden, knowing that there was no way physically possible for you to get out and do all the things that you should be doing in a well-run investigation. A DCFS spokesperson says the agency is at its highest staffing level in 15 years. The courts, and not the State Board of Elections, should decide whether former President Donald Trump should be on the state's upcoming primary ballot. Dave McKinney reports on that finding by a state hearing officer. That hearing officer, a retired Republican Kankakee County judge, held that Trump participated in the fatal January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. But he said the state's courts should decide if that disqualifies Trump as a presidential candidate under a constitutional prohibition against insurrectionists seeking public office. Chicago attorney Matthew Pierce, who represents voters challenging Trump's candidacy, is pleased by that finding. We are confident that the Illinois courts, upon appeal, are going to remove Mr. Trump from the ballot in our state. The Trump campaign said it was withholding comment until after the State Board of Elections takes up the matter Tuesday. It's a dispute that could reach the state Supreme Court. This is Dave McKinney. Arts leaders and St. Louis officials say an upcoming public arts project will help reflect the history of a North St. Louis area. As St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis reports, the initiative seeks an artist that will build a signature sculpture for the community. The sculpture will sit at the intersection of North 14th and Biddle Streets. It's the aim of a partnership between the nonprofit Urban Strategies, the arts organization via partnership, and the city. The selected artist will receive a $200,000 budget. Meredith McKinley is co-founder of VIA Partnership. 
She says artists will be free to design a sculpture that honors the area's culture. We give them our goals. We let them know about the community, its history, its aspirations for the future, and then we ask them to create a piece based on that. Artists must apply by February 19th. Three finalists will be selected, and the winner will have until the end of August to install the piece. I'm Chad Davis, St. Louis Public Radio. Local Illinois state senators want Metro East residents to write Valentine's Day cards to area seniors. Republicans and Democrats are hosting senior card day drives during early February. Residents can make or buy cards and drop them off at their local senator's office. From there, the senators and their staff will deliver to an area nursing home and long-term care facility. Senator Chris Belt of Swansea says it's all about showing area seniors some love on what might be a tough day for them. I just wanted to make sure that we sent cards to them to let them know that they are appreciated, to let them know that they are loved, and to really try to fight against depression. Senator Belt will be collecting cards through February 9th. Senator Erica Harris of Glen Carbon will be collecting cards through February 5th. The Kansas City Chiefs beat the Baltimore Ravens 17-10 to advance to the Super Bowl for the fourth time in five years. Greg Eklund has the story. The Kansas City Chiefs scored on their opening drive with a touchdown pass from quarterback Patrick Mahomes to tight end Travis Kelsey and never trailed in the game. With that duel advancing to each of the four Super Bowls in this stretch, Chiefs coach Andy Reid says he appreciates their leadership of this squad. You've got to bring it every week. And so, um, again, to be in this position... That tells you a little bit of something about the mental makeup of this football team. The Chiefs won in their sixth straight AFC championship and on the road for the first time. The Chiefs defense forced three turnovers against the Ravens, which proved to be crucial. I'm Greg Eklund. Today, in a community near you, students are traveling to school on an electric bus. What was once a rare technology is now hitting roads across the Midwest. After a long ramp-up, the Environmental Protection Agency is beginning to send almost 5,000 electric buses to schools. St. Louis Public Radio's Kate Grumke reports on what early adopters think so far. Kids run through cold rain toward idling buses as school lets out in the Rawls County School District. About 800 students attend this rural district in Northeast Missouri. It has a fleet of 17 buses that pretty much all look the same. But two of these school buses are running on batteries. This school district is one of the first in Missouri to get these electric buses from a new federal program. On board, the kids are excited. Ninth grader Ian Joyner, who happens to be the driver's son, has noticed the difference. It's, it's not as loud as the other ones, but it's definitely fun to ride this bus. Ian takes his seat as the drivers get the all clear to head home. All right, drivers, have a safe trip. Enjoy your night. The EPA's clean school bus program has sent at least one electric bus to almost every U.S. state and thousands more are on their way to school districts across the Midwest. So far, the federal government has invested $1.8 billion in the program throughout the country. It's funded by the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act. As more and more school districts try out this new technology, reviews are coming in. Well, I'm in love with the buses so far. That's Shawnee Public Schools Transportation Director John Wiles. 
His district is on the Citizen Potawatomi Nation's tribal lands in Shawnee, Oklahoma. They have two electric buses so far and should receive two more in the next month. A major benefit is the fact that these produce zero emissions, and so they can sit there in line uh, waiting for the kids to get out without creating any kind of breathing problems whatsoever. The lower greenhouse gas emissions from the electric buses also help slow climate change. But there's one big downside, the price tag. A new electric school bus can cost about three times more than a new diesel bus. Plus, districts have to install expensive charging infrastructure. At the same time, the electricity is less expensive per mile compared to diesel. Maintenance is also cheaper, in part because the buses don't need oil changes. But altogether, that still doesn't make up the cost difference. Jeff Dix is superintendent of two school districts in northern Iowa. One is Albert City Truesdale, which got an electric bus in December. You can't spend four times, three and a half times what you would for a regular bus. We actually have a solar field that provides electricity to our entire building. But that did make sense. That pays for itself in eight years. Sue Gander says that's why this federal program is so important. She's director of the Electric School Bus Initiative, an organization that wants to see the entire U.S. fleet go electric. The federal money, particularly in the last couple of years, has been, you know, has been really instrumental in, in making a lot of this momentum possible. Back in Rawls County, transportation supervisor Eric Joyner drives one of the electric buses through a typical route on gravel roads between farms. He's really excited about these buses. I think it's fun. I like driving a school bus better than my own personal vehicle, so thanks. <laughs> But he gets what some call range anxiety on his long rural routes. One time his battery got down to 8%. So when you start getting that low, you start to kind of panic a little bit, especially when you got kids on board. One of the buses had a technical problem early on, taking it out of service. And that experience makes it hard for Joyner to recommend them. Still, he says this program has been great for cash-strapped rural school districts, mostly because it meant Free buses. I'm Kate Brumke, St. Louis Public Radio. That story was produced in conjunction with Harvest Public Media, a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including St. Louis Public Radio. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio News, music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. Thanks to the founding host of The Gateway, Wayne Pratt, who had some advice for me as I took over this podcast in the interim period. You've got to bring it every week. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. I'm Jonathan All, and from the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com.